Welcome to the Nurture Hub Pregnancy and Birth Podcast with your hosts, Shari Lyon and Nicola Lay. Together, we bring over 30 years of experience in working with women and partners through education, breathing, mindfulness, and evidence-based information, and nurturing you through this transformation into motherhood. Join us on this journey as we connect with women and partners, mentoring, supporting, and navigating the ups and downs of becoming parents. Welcome to episode 28, where myself, Nicola, and Shari are discussing the language used around pregnancy and birth. Now, pregnancy can leave a woman feeling highly vulnerable and suggestive, that they're listening to everyone around them, caregivers, family, friends, partners, and just random people on the street that like to have an opinion. And the words we use around pregnancy can be either uplifting, empowering, and inspiring, but they can also be the polar opposite, undermining, fear-inducing, And we often do not realize the impact that these words can have on a woman. And this can leave a woman feeling overwhelmed, fear of not being enough, and fear of that she might fail in her birth. We both feel so deeply about this topic. And we want people that are surrounding a pregnancy to be mindful of the conversations that they have with women and how we can all look at how we change our communication. So if you're working within the birthing industry or you're pregnant yourself or recently became a mum, please listen to this episode and share. Nicola and I today want to bring just to light and have a conversation about language in birth. Actually, language in pregnancy as well as how we are spoken to and even the language we use ourselves when it comes to pregnancy and birth. Yeah, so let's let's really unfold what that means. What does language in birth and in pregnancy actually mean? Well, I think the way that we are spoken to changes the way we feel about ourselves, about our bodies, about our own ability to birth, but also even certain words that are used very commonly throughout the medical field and throughout Um, within hospitals from doctors and midwives and caregivers are not always seen or even felt in a positive way. And I think think what I've noticed through working through clinical environments as a professional as well, and I, neither of us are medical care professionals to be able to give advice from that level, but what Mm. I've seen is that it's it almost becomes that they forget that they're talking to the patient, but they're still using the clinical terms when they're actually using that language. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Absolutely. And they, you know, I'm going to advocate for medical caregivers here. This is what they are taught. This is what, mm. how they are conditioned to speak about birth or pregnancy in certain ways. This is the language that they use to even communicate with each other. But I think there needs to be more discussion with our caregivers about whether that language is helping women and partners to feel empowered or to feel good about their bodies or to to understand a situation that may be happening that's not going to be using language that will incite more fear and anxiety which then in turn could actually have an even more of a negative effect on the pregnancy the labor and the birth and Sometimes it starts right from when women have the scans and even the sonographers sometimes, sometimes, you know, the language that they use, oh, this baby's big. 
yes. measuring on the 98th percentile. Yeah. And you hear that and it instantly puts you into an anxiety frame doesn't it it makes you go straight into the uncertainty yes and my, and then the, the neocortex starts going wild and in that in that <laughs> analytical rational thinking i don't want to have a big baby how am i going to get this big baby out am i going to tear and then it's just that roller coaster mm. all from one suggestion yeah which isn't always actually accurate <laughs> And I think it even continues with how a woman is treated in their own pregnancy and birth and then what they then do when they're talking to their own friends and family that are then pregnant as well. So a woman that then, you know, arrives into her pregnancy with excitement, it then slowly starts to be unfolded and, and, and vulnerable in all the moments of communication. That's so true. So it's not it's not just coming from medical caregivers. We want to make that quite clear as well it's also from the people around us the our friends our family as much as they are well-meaning when they are sharing their experience and their stories the language that tends to be used isn't always positive well I know I definitely didn't feel um empowered after Mm. coming away from friends when I was pregnant or hearing my mother say just do what the doctor says they know best and therefore it's like well I not to trust your own body that's how I kind of took it um you know even hearing my own birth story where my mum said to me if I'd had you naturally we both would have died you know and that was what she was told Mm. as well so that was her her experience but then that was passed on to me and so therefore for me my belief and perception of birth started to be in alignment with well birth could equal death yes and that's the language that I had been shared around birth Um, it wasn't until I did my hypnobirthing course and this is a big part of actually hypnobirthing the work we do as well is to use positive and empowering language Mm. but there's Let's just kind of even bring up some examples of of some words or how things could be said and are still to this day being said to women during pregnancy and birth. Is there anything that you have experienced? <laughs> I remember being in one of my um, my checkups while I was pregnant. And, you know, when they do the fundal measurements to check the baby's size and they check the heartbeat... And they said, oh, your baby's a bit small. Um, I might need to go for some extra scans. Um, and I was trying to then ask questions about that. And, and it just felt like I wasn't getting anything to reassure my anxious mind at those moments. But I think for me, it was even just down to, because I had um, hyperemesis, didn't get diagnosed correctly. So it was kind of like, wow, you're not really coping, are you? was one term and I really didn't feel and then I felt a bit like I was a bit the odd one out you know wasn't coping so already I was carrying a small baby wasn't able to cope kind of looked at me like I was a bit vulnerable so then you know your own story Mm. of you know life already starts to you know talk to you and, and you feel really silly by then keep on I felt like I was almost like a hypochondriac then because right. I kept feeling so lousy and then didn't feel this blooming pregnancy glow that everyone else had. And, and Dean Muller talked about that quite a bit through her episode that we did together. Yeah. 
But yeah, that was some of the words initially while I was pregnant, I'd already started to feel like I wasn't really good at this. Mm. Mm. Some some things that we kind of, uh, I speak about within the Hypnobirthing Australia program are even for you to be able to sit down and go, well, what does that word already represent and feel like to you? And one of the big things that, and this is something that I do in my classes is when I ask mums and say, when I say the word contraction, what does that represent? And automatically a number of women will speak out and say Mm. pain. Contraction equals pain. Because we have what we've seen of birth in the movies or what we've heard of birth, when you hear of, oh my God, my contractions were pain, contractions and pain tend to come together. Yes. So we've kind of recognized this and this is where within hypnobirthing, we kind of start to, to use more positive and empowering language and substitute because when I say to a woman, well, what does the word surge or a wave feel like to you? And it's actually really beautiful to hear them say, a surge feels like power or an energy, or it will come and it will go. It's not, it doesn't stay. A sensation. A sensation, yes. And that it's, and even referring to it as pain as well. And this is something that I kind of really picked up on and mastered between my first and my second birth, that I even trained my mind to, rather than thinking of the sensations that I was feeling and labeling it as pain, because I understood more how my body worked, how the uterus worked, um, what an actual, in quotes, contraction was with the uterine muscles, um, I, re- I thought of it, instead of being pain, I thought of it as other interesting sensations like tightening sensations or mm. I could feel pressure. I could feel my muscles working. At times it was intense and something can be intense, but it doesn't necessarily have to be painful. That's right. And so even within my own mind throughout my daughter's labor and birth, I actually never registered the thought of pain. I just, but it had come with the the conditioning and training on on a whole new way of thinking. Mm. Um, But even let's kind of talk about due dates. Yes. And I love the fact that I also did hypnobirthing for my first and I actually did heal some of those words that were coming up for me initially. But I remember them saying, it's a maybe day. And it's I, a maybe day. And I I've loved that. that. And I really liked that because when I then went for my appointments and they'd say, you're due date, and I'd correct her and say, oh, I like to call it a maybe day because I don't really want to put the emphasis on the pressure. I don't really work very well when I feel like I'm on a deadline. <laughs> and, and so I owned my moments there. And I did go right above yeah. the, the deadline for them. But um, yeah, it was a good way to change the terminology. Well, I think once again, we've just put all of this emphasis on having our babies by this one particular date. And I remember, I clearly remember my due date for my son was the 15th of July. And whenever anyone would ask, 15th of July, that's when I'll, you know, that's my due date. <laughs> Even though I knew and I did and same, it wasn't until after I did my hypnobirthing course that then we I started to refer to it as a due time or a due month or that it was an estimated due date and understanding that normal gestation for a human is but anywhere between 37, 38, up to 42 weeks. Like 42 weeks is still yeah. normal, mm. but we have been made to believe that if this baby doesn't come by this one particular date which could, once again, it's no one, your body doesn't know this date, your baby doesn't know this date, but then what do we refer ourselves as when we go over that date? Oh, failed. 
failing or overdue, or, not overdue. or late yes. or overcooked. And once again, we are even using this. We are. This is not in positive and empowering language, are we? That we're even using for, my, for ourselves because then that's what everyone else starts to, the pressure. to put on us. And I think also, I also do this in my coaching sessions with women and I say, what do you do for work? And often it will be the women that are the perfectionists or the, the list people or or the people that have got a structural high-powered job or like a, a, a job where they're organizing and they're working to deadlines, to projects. So they then slot their due date in like it's a project. Well, of course I'm going to deliver at this time because that's when the project finishes. Or <laughs> you know, and they're in their heads, they're installing this pressure to 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 actually um, be successful mm. in time for that date. So you've launching it on that date, yeah. and they don't realize necessarily that that's what they're doing to themselves. No. But they're inter- internalizing a, a pressure, mm. a, a deadline. Yeah. And sometimes when you're coaching them and you say, "How about we just relax that and we think to ourselves, it's not really a deadline." No. And I think the statistics say that only 35% of women will give birth the week of their estimated due date, yeah. and up to I think 75% or 79%, I think it's around that, um, of first-time mums will not birth until between the 41st and 42nd week of their pregnancy. Mm. So for those of you listening, please just as a bit of advice from both of us who've had our babies, we've gone through it, we work with many women who we, who we see put this um planning and this baby's got to come now and if they don't come then you I and I you know what even though I teach this I still hear in my text Mm -hmm. messages that I get oh I'm overdue I've got to get this baby going and it's not going to help labor and birth at all but rather if you can mentally prepare yourself and even start talking in positive and empowering language for yourself you may not get it from other people because they haven't mm. under they don't understand and maybe doing the work that you are, but start talking about it as a due time. Yeah. And don't please don't refer to yourself as overdue or late or overcooked. Mm. Your baby is not a library book, you know, that <laughs> they yeah. they have no idea what date has been <laughs> set by and did you know actually, and I read this in in um Rachel Reed's book, that the original formula that was that they use to this date to predict the baby's estimated due date was created by a man back in the 1700s. Wow. And they use this they still use the exact same formula in 2020. Um, where before <laughs> that women used to track their cycles and and they would predict their estimated due time by the the moon cycles that's right and it was so many moon cycles which actually equaled for uh, like 42 weeks Mm. but then you know western medicine and science came in and they wanted to look at women's bodies as machines and with definable parts where they could predict certain things and and we're still using it today and we're, we're having this pressure put on us and then here is another bit of language that i hear all the time You'll hear it from friends, family, your medical caregivers, where they'll say to you, they won't allow you to go so many days past your due due date. And so when you hear that, when you hear a friend saying, oh, they won't allow you to go 10 days past your due date, this is, again, we we kind of take that on and and go, okay, well, as soon as it's recommended to, to be induced, if you get to that 10 days, it's like, 
I have to abide because they won't allow me. Yes. This is um, a rule within the hospital. If I'm birthing within a hospital, this is the rule. It applies to everyone. Mm. But something I really want to make clear is that you know, hospital policies, they are there to protect you. They're also very much there to protect the hospital. But if you are hearing from a caregiver saying, we won't allow you to go 10 days past your due date, we will induce you. That is a, a policy that has been set by that hospital. And some hospitals have even earlier or some mm. private obstetricians. You'll hear they may say, I won't allow you to go 39 weeks in two days. Yes. And... I want to really express to you, mums, this is your body. This is your baby. It is absolutely your decision as to whether or not you are going to agree because a hospital policy is not the law. It is a recommendation. Yes. But we have, but many women don't know that hospital policies, you can uh, uh, like say no, you can say no. I, I really feel that if we came into a mindset where the hospitals facilitate the birth, but the women birth their babies. If we changed our mindset to say, mm. well, I'm actually the person that's gonna deliver this baby and you're gonna help me facilitate that moment, mm. taking back the power and the ownership of and responsibility for self and thinking about how you're receiving the language that you're listening to. Are you gonna take that in as, as, as the truth? Can you question the language that's being given to you? Can you say, would you like to rephrase that so I can understand it better? Or mm. can you tell me what does that actually mean? Mm. And can you, and this is what I love about Shari's course, hypnobirthing, is that they give you the knowledge and the education to question the language being used. Mm. And Often, again, this hierarchy of they know more than I do stops us from actually saying, please, can you explain that? Please, can you give me some more information? Please, can you show me the statistics? Um, why can't we go into meeting our caregiver at the beginning of our pregnancy and asking for their rates of C-section, their rates of induction? Mm. Why Without can't them getting offended? Yeah, because it's not like we're saying that they don't know what we're, they're doing. No. We're just seeing what kind of language, what kind of outcomes that they have, isn't it? Absolutely. I, it, it's, it's really hard, though, because I think we've also been very much conditioned as, as women that we need to be a good girl. You know, don't yes. rock the boat. You don't want to be seen as being difficult if you, and that that's where sometimes many of us, we are at a point when we're pregnant, we are vulnerable and vulnerability is not a sign of weakness. Mm. Vulnerability is actually really that step into being courageous. And if you haven't listened or read or seen any of the work by Brene Brown, please go and watch her she's TED amazing. talk. Please also go and watch, if you have Netflix, she has an amazing talk on there called The Call to Courage. And it really gets you to understand that we've been conditioned that vulnerability is a sign of weakness. And when we are vulnerable, that people then can take advantage of us and in that vulnerable moment. But we as women, like it's time to step back into this power and speak up for what we want and what we deserve. And we deserve to be spoken to in a way of in with respect, with dignity, yes. not even to be called a good girl in 
in labor. Good girl. You're breathing really well. That's, it's, it's not it's not good it takes you takes you right back to being a child it does in that moment when yeah. you're vulnerable like you were when you were a child yeah and i think if we can um you know imagine if women were being birthed where the language was with empowerment how different our our births would be mm. right i remember being induced because i was very uh, i was 42 point um, plus three days for my first yeah. Um, and I did need medical intervention and I was quite happy to go with it because mm-hmm. I realized that, you know, we needed to have help. But I remember having been, you know, put on the drip and the induction was fa- was fairly strong. Like it was an in- interesting, um, you know, sort of looking back and reflecting at that moment. But I remember then being taken up to theater for an emergency C-section, which had to happen. Um, and I was really calm the whole way through because I'd done my hypnobirthing mm-hmm. practice and I knew that I was, I felt like I was a rock star. Like mm-hmm. I'd done, you know, nearly 23 or 24 hours at this stage of being induced. And I'd been using my breath and I was doing everything that I'd learned. And I remember just laying there going, oh, wow, thank goodness they've taken the drip away. I can feel like I can just manage this now. And just really happy that we're about to meet our baby. And I remember a very young midwife just looking at me and saying, oh my gosh, because you didn't even get going. You have no idea what labor is. And I just remember looking at her saying, seriously, you're going to talk to me like this now? Mm. Just to, I feel like I'm a rock star. And like, yeah, it was a moment where I'll never forget that. And mm. I've just, had women be told that. Yeah. You're not even four centimetres. This isn't even labour. You're not even in labour. And just and it's very intense for this woman up to, yeah. to get to, to that dilation. <laughs> and to be then told um, that this isn't even labour. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had a mother, another mum, and this is where understanding too, when we are in labour, we are very highly susceptible to suggestions. Yes. And I had a mum who, who was labouring and... Our senses are heightened during labor and she overheard a conversation between two midwives. They weren't talking to her or even close to her. And one midwife said to them, oh, this is going to be another 10 hour labor and birth. And she heard that and she just totally shut down was like, I can't do this, you know. And again, the language of if we agree to have a vaginal examination and actually I'm just going to back up there because this is what happened to me. I actually also didn't know that vaginal examinations were op, like optional, optional mm. at, because when I went into my birth with my son, Harley, when I got in there, this midwife's like, okay, I'm just going to check you now because I need to see how far dilated you are. And being first time mom, again, I came into this hospital setting, which I wasn't familiar with. It was like I was moving into their environment, their rules. But this is what this is what happened in labor. Yeah. And so I didn't question and I allowed, well, I don't. I allow. I did allow her to do it, but she didn't ask me for permission. She didn't say, Shari, would it be okay if I did a vaginal examination? This is what the benefits of. We can see where you're at. If you don't want me to tell you where you're at, that's absolutely fine. It will just give me an idea. You know, there yes. was no. It was like, okay, lay down. I'm going to give you a vaginal examination now. Like this is what happens. Yeah. And I hated the vaginal examinations. Oh my gosh, they were. They are for very me personally terrible. Mm. Um. And this was then something in my next birth that I made sure I spoke to my midwife about. And I said, unless you feel that there's a medical reason or you really need to find out some information, 
I would like minimal, if any, vaginal examinations. Mm. And she was so respectful of that. She didn't ask me once to, to have a, an examination, but um, she was very in tune with my cues and things like that. So um, even understanding that before they touch us, before they do anything to us, there should be a conversation that is had to understand and they should even be saying, you have the right to refuse yes. if you don't feel comfortable. But that is not happening. No. It, and it's the same with what happened to me with a syntocin shot after my natural birth of not being given an option to have time to wait to see if my placenta would come naturally with the natural oxytocin release, which would have happened because I, I had that natural birth. But it was when I asked the midwife and said, can I, I want to birth my placenta naturally. She snapped at me and said, I don't have time to wait for your placenta and injected the needle of syntocin in my leg. Mm. Now, once again, in that moment of being vulnerable, I didn't want to be difficult. You know, I, I was exhausted, but she did a medical intervention to me that was not for a medical reason. It was because she just wanted to be done and move on basically. Mm. Um, and so Sometimes you don't realize the language or how something is said to you. It could lead you down a whole different path. 100%. And that's where becoming conscious and having your birth partner also be aware of our rights, the options to ask that he or she, whoever it is you choose to have in your birth, we have the right to ask questions before anything is done to us. And we should never feel pressured or be spoken to in a way that incites fear or in with coercive language yes indeed and i think from the very beginning just getting that that powerful education from the start and understanding that you are in charge of your own birth and they're there to help and assist you through all of this. Mm. And I think when you come in, what I've noticed is that if you come into an appointment with education and knowledge and understanding of your birth or what's going to happen, mm. they will they know that you know and they respect it a lot more. So I, I felt that with my second, I was so much more knowledgeable and calm and made some really good decisions. Mm. And because of that, they were calm around me and they didn't use the same language. You know, even to the point where I had to have another emergency C-section again and inside the theater, just before we prepped to have the, the, you know, the arrival of our second daughter, I asked for a moment. I asked for everyone to stand and just take a moment because there wasn't a, an emergency emergency, but I wasn't very well. And they just all stood and I just asked them just to be respectful of what, what conversation was happening. I didn't want to hear about what takeaway they were having or what date they were going on, which was my first experience. Oh, wow. Um, but to have this really beautiful intention of my little girl coming into the world and everyone's you know, there with that same intention. Mm. And they thanked me for that moment. Mm. And it was a really beautiful outcome of, of a time where I was actually really nervous because I wasn't very well. I had flu. So it was amazing outcome. And I think going in that second time with a much clearer, defined power to, to my birth was, was really different. Mm. You know, even coming back to, all right, some different words that yes. we, you know, even deliver i i see this a lot um caregivers talking about delivering babies 
Um, I delivered this baby. And I, I think, to be honest, before I, I moved into this line of work, once again, we've been conditioned that that's just normal, right? So it, it didn't bother me any time before. But now with what I do with empowering women, giving someone else that or having someone else take the credit for that something that your body does. Mm. And even for you, mums, like don't give that power away. Don't say that your caregiver delivered your baby. Take that ownership. You are birthing your baby. You are receiving your baby. And I think medical caregivers really need to hear this and start changing this language as well and start empowering the women. Don't say that you deliver babies. Say you assist or receive or catch. Um, And this is the medical terminology that does tend to be used in more midwifery-led care. Um, That We've still got a very long way to go, though, Um, and... I guess with this podcast episode is just really about we want you mums to even start thinking how have you been spoken to is something coming up whilst you're listening to this and it's going yeah actually that has been said to me in this way how did that make you feel yes how did you feel empowered by that language did you feel depleted and the same with with women being told that they're failing to progress basically that their body is failing them Mm. I've had women being told that they have an inadequate pelvis or an yes. incompetent cervix. <laughs> you know, to be told that you have an incompetent cervix. Those words, failure, incompetency, inadequate. inadequate. Yeah. yeah. You can't birth your baby. Your pelvis is too small. Your Not baby's coping. too big. Yeah. It's, it's, it's poor language, which is then where a woman is suggestible to then hold that mm. into further births down the line. Mm. Where for me, I remember falling pregnant for the second time and remembering the words of, I failed to progress. I wasn't coping, you know, those words. I thought, well, I, I'm not actually capable of birthing again. Mm-hmm. I, Can I'm not, I actually do this? I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. I, I actually had a, you know, I'm not very good at being pregnant, mm-hmm. you know, my to have. failing me. <laughs> That's ha- right. I actually just had a mum in my course on the weekend who she too suffered severe HG and she's just, I feel, you know, my body's failed me. Yeah. How do I gain confidence in my body's ability to birth when it, I'm so violently ill during pregnancy. Yeah. And it's hard. And we can put that pressure on ourselves as well, you know. And I think also on a positive, I remember after my first birth and it being quite a, a crazy one, um, I had uh, an amazing obstetrician and it was in a normal, like, you know, public hospital. He was renowned as one of the best ones in Sydney. And he just happened to be on call that, mm. that night where we, that morning, sorry, when we gave birth to her. And, he came back and sat at my bedside because he knew I was a hypnobirthing mum. Mm. And he said, let's debrief because you did really well. And I want you to really feel that because mm. he said you were calm and smiling and excited. Even what the, even the, the hours before that of having to go what you went through, he said, I just want you to remember that you didn't fail. You did a great job and look how beautiful your baby is. So he reinstalled some really positive affirmations moving forward into my my motherhood and I actually was it was a real gratitude moment and I remember sitting there thinking oh well I must have been okay I must have done that all right and that's a really good 
caregiver in that moment to have had that conversation mm. and he took the time to come back and find me yeah and there are absolutely caregivers who have taken on and understood or are understanding more the power of words the power of language instead of saying to a woman if she's had a vaginal exam- examination you're only so many centimeters reframing it in a way of saying your body's doing a great job it's you're softening you're opening yeah. you know that is what women need to hear and yeah. they could either make or not break their labor but you know make it such a different experience for them when they've got that encourage encouragement um, and that's where positive affirmations can come in absolutely and you can absolutely access some amazing positive affirmations um hypnobirthing australia have a beautiful album i'll put a link in the show notes i listen to the affirmations every single day and we still work with that i'm looking right here you've got your affirmation card out there we still and this is under we practice what we preach we really do i listen to affirmations in the shower i when i was pregnant i listened to my affirmations track in the car while i was driving so any opportunity i had i was reaffirming to myself I could do this my body was powerful my surges were never too strong for me because they are me you know I will calmly meet whatever turn my birthing may take with every surge I relax and go deeper like I could I obviously (laughs) been teaching this for eight years and I've, I've shared this as well as a relaxation in my class but that is one very easy step that all of you can do for yourself Mm. to start helping yourself create and then maintain a positive mindset and don't be scared to set up boundaries with your friends and family you know if you hear someone say well as long as baby's alive that's all that matters you know speak up and say well i matter too and or ask people to only share positive and empowering stories with you even share with your caregivers and say, you know, we're really starting, we really want to have a positive and empowering experience. We would love for you to help us by using positive and empowering language with us. Yes. And sometimes it like, it's okay to pull up our caregivers on, on some language that they use and teach them, educate yes. them on what makes you feel good and how they can say things to you. And it, and it does help them. Mm. It does help them because it is very easy to be clinical mm-hmm. in all of the interactions with all of the mums that they look after. And, and, and it is, it's great. And I think having yourself educated in, in pregnancy is a really good way of understanding how to advocate for yourself. Mm. How, understanding that when that caregiver sees you've got hypnobirthing on your front door <laughs> of your birthing room, they know they're walking into a room that is a powerful woman. Mm-hmm. They know that that woman has made a decision to, 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 to treat her labor and her birth as her own moment. Mm. Um, and so there's a lot of language that, you know, empowerment of language inside the courses, are there not? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All, and we, throughout the, with the materials you receive, you get the affirmations. I actually gift affirmation cards throughout the whole course. I'm helping to start to condition you or you condition yourself in changing that language, even for yourself. Um, I actually just want to share this little part. I got just received a beautiful birth story from one of my mums and she, she said in her birth story, I apparently made it quite clear to the accompanying birth suite midwives who didn't know my preferences or my knowledge during the birth when they were telling me to lie on my back and push and hold my breath and push, etc. Your course absolutely empowered me to push 
back on unwanted instructions from caregivers and advocate for myself, which is something I'm really proud of myself for. At one point, I apparently said, I'll do what I want. Thanks. (laughs) Oh, that's so magical. In that Mm. woman, in that moment, that woman, she took the power back and and she felt her body and she knew how to move and she wasn't getting forced to lay on her back. But I too, if ever you are being spoken to in a way that is disrespectful go and ask for another caregiver you know I've I've had caregivers say things to my mums that are so unacceptable and they've just kind of sunk into themselves and then just copped it Mm -hmm. um, because of the fear of being again I guess reprimanded for asking questions you know I I had one mum who just wanted to know the options around uh, the birthing the placenta compared active management compared to placental delivery and this caregiver described it in a way that you know asking her if she'd seen the tombstones at the hospital of women at the age of 25 dying that they died from postpartum hemorrhage that's why they do active management that is absolutely unacceptable and no one no one should ever be spoken to in that way in that incites fear yes. to do something that that care that caregiver may believe is right we are deserve to be given options spoken to with respect be given evidence-based information that also backs up why they are recommending something not be told well if your baby dies it's on your head and in that moment what does that even listening to that now what does that invoke in you does that make you feel instantly oh my gosh that's a little bit that's that's anxiety fed already and this is what is happening and we can't we can't silence ourselves anymore Mm. like this is what we do we coach I coach women to help them get prepared for this. Shari, you're coaching women to help them and, and and partners to help them get ready for this because ultimately as well, it's also the person that's birthing with you, your partner in birth, whether that's your birthing partner, husband, mother, sister, mother, sister whatever. Mm-hmm. This is this is your moment to also be the, the, the communicator. So for me, I knew I needed to put my headphones in and I didn't want to be aware of what language was being used around me. And I could watch my husband knowing that he was doing the communicating. He knew what our preferences were. Um, But even for you to have these conversations with your birth support, telling them what is and isn't acceptable. Mm -hmm. And I often coach the men or the partners of the birth in what I see or what I've heard is regular statements inside birth like, God, you're not really coping very well. Don't you think you should take some medication? Mm, you look like you're in pain. How about I just get you something for that? <laughs> or, um, oh, you know, oh gosh, this isn't very good. I'm, I'm, or, or I'm even, I'm really tired. <laughs> the men saying to them, the, the woman, I'm really tired. You or know, that don't be a hero. Yes, that's right. Or all the things. So when you're in that moment of birth, the last thing you want is your partner also saying things that are mm. negative to you. So. It's a really good moment, I think, to, to really think about this podcast is in how can we change this so that it positively move forward now, listening to this podcast? How can you change what you're listening to and change it to flip it to be a more positive or tell someone, can you tell me that again in a language that's more positive, please? Mm. Or, or being able to own those moments of conversation. Yeah. And... 
this is once again the message that we've shared in many episodes like it's time we take back that responsibility and take back that power and if you are pregnant right now you still have time Mm. you still have time and that's where Nicola and I can help you you know we both offer online courses online coaching online training so if you are interested in working with either one of us Nicola where where can they find you so you can go to my Instagram page is actually where I'm most active, which is Nicola underscore Lay. And we'll put this in the show notes. And and I will, I help you with your breath, but I also help you use your breath to move through moments of conversations that can be difficult mm-hmm. where you're listening and then deciding, everyone gets to decide how they're going to react to everything that they hear and changing how you're turning up, how you're presenting, how you're feeling inside and out. Um, through the power of breath and suggestion yeah. yeah and if you are interested in learning the hypnobirthing hypnobirthing australia hypnobubs course um, i offer all of my courses through live online zoom so it is a kind of 14 hour course we split it up over a number of weeks you get materials i give you affirmations mm-hmm. you get affirmation tracks um, starting from 550 australian dollars and honestly it. I know when I did my course, it was the best money I ever spent um, because it gave me so much knowledge and tools and techniques that I so that then I had the confidence to advocate and speak up for myself. Um, and that's why we we wanted to do this podcast. We want to share this information with you in the hope that it's inspiring you to take some actionable steps towards or just even if it is just going and downloading or listening to some affirmations today, go yeah. and gift that to yourself and make it a part of your birth preparation. Or even if you're a mum, go and listen to some beautiful affirmations if you are That's having right. a little bit of a, a And maybe time. even just now while listening to this after you finish, just sit down and think, what are my boundaries about being pregnant? What do I want? What do I want to allow myself to be in? Who do I want to you know, have in my life at the moment? What is making me feel anxious? And just really writing it down and, and really thinking about it. And yeah, like Shari said, go and listen and try and find things that soothe you, calm you, make you feel powerful and 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 ready, ready for everything that's coming. Because it's exciting. It doesn't need to be anxious. And also, one of my last things I'm going to say today is, Remember that excitement and anxiety have the same energy. It's you decide how you want it to go. What label you're going to put on (laughs) it. That's right. (laughs) Well, thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please leave us a comment. Um, on your thoughts about this episode in the uh, not in the show notes in if you could subscribe and then leave a review for us that would be absolutely amazing so that then this message could get out to more women and please share please share with your pregnant friends because it's that ripple effect we can need to start empowering each other as well women supporting women we hope this episode has helped you on your own journey We would love it if you can subscribe and leave a review and help us to spread the word of positive pregnancy and birth. We would like to personally invite you to join our Nurture Hub online community where you can connect with other women and be mentored by us one-on-one in one of our future episodes. It's so important to feel connected and nurtured through this time and we would love to support you. Thanks Thanks for listening. listening.